You're listening to the Redeemer Theological Academy with Pastor Brian Cashelmeyer of Redeemer Lutheran Church, Los Alamos, New Mexico. On the Redeemer Theological Academy, we mine the riches of the Scripture and the Church Fathers and find in them Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer. Here's the Academy with Pastor Cashelmeyer. Welcome back to the Redeemer Theological Academy. Last time we began to discuss Isaiah chapter 61. We barely even got started. Now we've got a lot to talk about, so let's go ahead and move forward. Picking up at verse 1. The spirit of Adonai Yahweh is upon me, because Yahweh has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of Yahweh's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of Yahweh, that he may be glorified. Now, so far the text. And when we look at this passage, we see the picture of the king, the king who is to come, the son of David, the true David, the one that we have been waiting for ever since the promise was given to Adam and Eve in the garden. Now, this picture of David, the true David, the son of David, who brings an eternal kingdom, goes back to the picture of the first David, that is, David, the son of Jesse. In fact, in the book of Samuel, we have 1 Samuel chapter 16, we have the account of David being anointed by the Spirit. The prophet Samuel was sent to Jesse, and he was looking for the one who was going to be king. And it is there where he found the son of Jesse, that is David. Now, when the prophet Samuel found David, he took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of Yahweh rushed upon him from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and he went to Ramah. Now, notice in this account that it's that anointing oil. When the oil is poured... Then the Spirit of the Lord comes upon David. He is now the anointed one, or technically what we would say is he is the Christ. The word Christ means nothing else than to be anointed. He's the Messiah, the Mashiach, the one who is anointed by God. So David is a picture of the anointed one to come, the Christ that we are waiting for. Therefore, in Isaiah chapter 61, we see the fulfillment of the Christ, the Messiah, the one we are waiting for, the one who says, the spirit of Adonai Yahweh is upon me because Yahweh has anointed me to bring good news. Of course, this passage in chapter 61 is flowing all the way back to chapter 59. Or at verse 21, we heard these words. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says Yahweh. 
my spirit that is upon you and my words that I've put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says Yahweh, from this time forth and forevermore. As you recall, back in chapter 59, we discussed that this servant, the true servant, the suffering servant, will produce many servants. That this one who is the true Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, will bring many sons of God through adoption. That, of course, he will be the only begotten Son of the same essence and substance of the Father. But through grace, many, many more sons will be adopted, heirs of the promise. Now, this is the one that the Spirit is placed upon. Upon him the Spirit rests. He is anointed at the waters of baptism in the Jordan River. And it is from that point that his mouth speaks that anointed word of the Father. The Father sends the Son, and what the Father says, the Son says. So when you hear Jesus, you hear the Father. Now I want you to see the direct connection between being the anointed king and being the anointed prophet. He is anointed king to bring his kingdom by his actions, but at the same time, he is anointed prophet to bring his kingdom by what he speaks. The word that is heard establishes the kingdom of God on earth. Now again, notice in Isaiah 59 that the words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth. So the Father sends the Son to speak the words of God. In fact, the Son is the incarnate Word of God. He is the Word in flesh. Not only what He says, but what He does. Of course, this goes back even further into Isaiah chapter 48, in which we heard these words. Draw near to me, hear this. From the beginning I have not spoken in secret. From the time it came to be, I have been there, and now Adonai Yahweh has sent me and his Spirit. And back in chapter 48, you have the person of the Son speaking, and he's speaking about how he has been sent. He's been sent by the person of the Father. And notice that when he is sent, he is sent to speak. His kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And the kingdom comes by the preaching of his word. When our heavenly father gives to us his Holy Spirit through the word that is heard. For that is how the Holy Spirit is poured out upon us and works within us. So that Jesus is sent and the Holy Spirit is sent to bring the kingdom. Now, again, notice this correlation between the word that is heard, the son that is sent, and the Holy Spirit that is upon him. We see this in Isaiah chapter 61. The spirit of Adonai is upon me because Adonai, Yahweh, has anointed me to bring good news. And now we see this in chapter 48, that Yahweh Adonai has sent me and his spirit. Now, if we go even further back to chapter 42, we see the voice of the Father speaking about the Son 
and the Spirit. Remember, the Father says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my Spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. Again, we understand this distinction between the plurality of persons of the blessed Holy Trinity, that the Father sends the Son and the Spirit, that the Son is the servant upon whom the Spirit rests, that the Son speaks, and as he speaks, he gives the Spirit. Now, he brings a kingdom, a spiritual kingdom, a kingdom in which he reigns in the heart through the Word, the Word in which the Holy Spirit is working inside the believer, giving the believer a renewed mind and a renewed heart, where we begin to do new things, walking in newness of life with new thoughts, new actions, a new way of thinking, a new way of doing, doing things of the kingdom of God, in which we begin to act righteously, that is an active righteousness, because first we have been made righteous passively. We have received the righteousness of Christ. It has been imputed to us by faith. In by faith, we are united to Christ in the way in which a husband and a wife are in union and the two become one flesh. What belongs to the husband now becomes the wife's. So that the husband who is righteous, his righteousness is imputed to the wife. And the wickedness of the wife, the sinfulness that we have, is imputed and reckoned and belongs to the son so that he is crucified for our sins, and he is raised for our justification. That he's the one who brings us before God without sin, without stain, without blemish. He's the one that cleanses us from all of our iniquities. We belong to him, and as we belong to him, we are being molded and shaped into the form and the image of the perfect son. And of course, this comes through suffering in this life. And in this, we begin to act righteously outwardly. We begin to act in justice. That is, making things right for the oppressed, the orphan, the widow, the poor, the afflicted, that we are of benefit to others that we love our neighbor in the vocation station where God has placed us. And thus, back in Isaiah chapter 32, when we see the Christ in his kingdom, this kingdom brings peace to us in our hearts and in our consciences before God, and then we are enabled to walk in peace in the world. And we can be part of this kingdom in which we behold and we see a king who reigns in righteousness and one who rules in justice. Now, of course, the picture of the kingdom that we're given in Isaiah 32 is not only about the king, but it's also about a spiritual kingdom that comes through the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. 
And thus Isaiah will say that the palace is forsaken, the populous city is deserted, the hill and the watchtower will become dens forever, a joy of wild donkeys, a pasture of flocks, until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is deemed a forest. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness abide in the fruitful field. We see this picture of the renewal and restoration of creation, that the king comes to bring his kingdom, and in his kingdom he pours out the spirit that brings regeneration, making all things new. Now, in Christ, there is no condemnation. For we are a new creation in him. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit who first is placed upon him and then is poured out by him. Now He's the one who is anointed with the Holy Spirit without measure. And he's the one that continues to abundantly give and distribute the Holy Spirit to us. Now again, notice that when we talk about this recreation, this restoration, that we use these agricultural images. When there is a wasteland without water and without the word, without the spirit, there is no life. But when the spirit is poured out and the word comes, then the water waters the land and there is life. The portrait moves from a desert wasteland to paradise on earth restored in the new heavens and the new earth, going back to the Garden of Eden, where there was God and there was life and there was no sin and there was no death. In fact, if we go further back to Isaiah chapter 11, we once again see these agricultural images with Jesse, in which we are told, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of Yahweh shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of Yahweh. In that picture, we see the king, the anointed king, the one who has the sevenfold spirit upon him. And then he's the one who pours out the spirit upon us. Now, going back to Isaiah 61, again, this language of the spirit of Yahweh being upon him because he has been anointed. Now, what I want you to see is the fulfillment of this picture in the gospel account, especially in that of Luke. Now, notice in Luke chapter 3 that the people are gathered to be baptized, and Jesus also was baptized, and he was praying. When he prayed, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. 
Now, notice here that the account of Luke shows to us the conversation between the person of the Father and the person of the Son, that the Father is speaking to the Son, saying, You are my beloved Son. I am well pleased with you. Of course, this was not done for the benefit of the Son. This was done for the benefit of us that we would hear and see that he is the one sent, that he is the one that the Father wants us to behold. Now, as you move from Luke chapter 3 into chapter 4, you see that Luke is working with Isaiah chapter 61. In other words, we just had a conversation between the Father and the Son that the Father says, I'm well pleased with you as the Spirit descends upon him. And then in chapter 61 of Isaiah, we have the Son responding. The Spirit of Adonai, Yahweh, is upon me because Yahweh has anointed me to bring good news. That now the Son is speaking to us and declaring to us this conversation. Now, take note that in Luke's gospel, he moves from the water in the Jordan River to the Isaiah scroll in the synagogue at Nazareth. Now, remember, Nazareth. This, of course, rings true in our mind about those words of Isaiah chapter 11, in which a nature shall bear fruit. That language of Nazar is this play on the word Nazareth, and that's why there were those who said that he would be a Nazarene, that he's the Nazar. He is that branch that will bear fruit. And now we look for the branch to bear fruit in Nazareth at the synagogue. So in Luke chapter 4, he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, And recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, I want you to see this connection between the seeing and the hearing. The people hear the words of Isaiah with their ears, and now their eyes are placed on Jesus. Now, as Jesus will speak, he will open their ears to see how this is being fulfilled in their hearing. Again, notice this language of the word teaching us, the word telling us to behold, to look, to see the servant, the one upon whom the Holy Spirit rests. Now again, remember the words from Isaiah 61. The spirit of Adonai Yahweh is upon me. 
because Yahweh has anointed me. When we look at the scriptures, the scriptures in unison testify to this sending of the Son, the servant upon whom the Spirit would rest. That according to his human nature, the Holy Spirit would come upon him and be poured out on him like all the prophets that preceded him, which, of course, were a picture of the true prophet who would come. Now, For instance, in Psalm 45, we have this same language here in which we hear the word of God saying, You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Now, at first glance, if you picked up Psalm 45, you might think to yourself, well, this, of course, is the psalmist talking about a king who is anointed. But under further investigation, we learn that these words are the words of the person of the Father speaking to the person of the Son. For in fact, the Holy Spirit himself clarifies this for us in Hebrews chapter 1. In Hebrews chapter 1, we are told about the Son, in which he supersedes any of the spiritual beings, the angelic beings of heaven. For the whole litany of, to which of the angels did any of these things ever happen, or to which of the angels did the Father ever declare such words? And in particular, at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 through 9, the Holy Spirit teaches us and says, But of the Son, He says, now that's the person of the Father says, the person of the Father says to the Son, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Now, notice that the person of the Father is speaking to the person of the Son, that the Father is calling the Son God and referring to the Son's kingdom. And in particular, he's talking about how the Son is anointed with the oil of gladness beyond his companions. Now, this oil of gladness is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Now, remember with David, when Samuel anoints David as king, he pours the oil, and when he pours the oil, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And remember at the Jordan River, when John the baptizer says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, this is a reference to the Son, the Son of God who was sent by the Father, in order to restore creation. That John the baptizer, when he pours the water on the Son, that's when the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove. Now, he's the one upon whom the Holy Spirit rests without measure, in abundance. And he's the one who then continually pours out the Holy Spirit. Thus, in John chapter 3, in his gospel, we hear that the one whom the Father has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. You see, the Son has the Spirit 
without measure. And the Son pours out this Spirit abundantly upon us. Now, for what purpose was the Son anointed by the Holy Spirit? Now, this is something that we also must contemplate, that he's going to bring his kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's a kingdom that comes through the preaching of the word. And it's in the preaching of the word that the Holy Spirit is poured out. Thus, the Son is anointed by the Spirit to preach the gospel. That is, proclaim the good news. This is the reason why he has been sent. That we would be brought into his kingdom through the power of the gospel. It is through this preaching of Christ that faith comes. Now, throughout the book of Isaiah, this message has been very clear even in the preaching of Isaiah. This is how the kingdom comes. In the midst of all these earthly kingdoms that are temporary, that come and go, God's kingdom is an eternal kingdom, and his word endures forever. Now go back to Isaiah chapter 40, in which the prophet is that voice preaching in the wilderness, the place without the word, the place without water, the place without the spirit. At verse 9, we hear, Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Of course, this is where we get the word evangelist from because they have this evangelical message, the message of the gospel, the good news. They go and they proclaim it as heralds, that it would be heard throughout the world. And what's the preaching of their, their word? The proclamation is, look, behold your God. Now, this is the message throughout all Isaiah. Your God is the God who comes to save you. Your God is the God who comes and takes upon flesh and dies in your stead, taking your sin and giving you his righteousness. This is your God, a God who comes to save you from your own sin, a God who comes to rescue you from your own death. Behold and see, behold the suffering servant who died for you and died for me. Later on in Isaiah 41, we have the same continuing message. In Isaiah chapter 41, I was the first to say to Zion, Behold, here they are, and I give to Jerusalem a herald of good news. Jesus is that herald of good news. He is the one who is anointed by the Holy Spirit to proclaim the good news. And then he sends out other proclaimers. As Jesus was sent by the Father, he sends out the apostles. In fact, that's what the word apostle means, as a sent one, one who has been sent. He sends them out to preach the good news. Now, this picture will be continually portrayed throughout Isaiah, especially in, for instance, chapter 52, in which we are told how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, 
who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Again, God reigns through the proclamation of his word. His kingdom is a spiritual kingdom that comes through the preaching of the word through which the Holy Spirit is given. Christ reigns in the conscience of the believers, assuring them of peace that they now have with God. He gives rest to the restless conscience. He gives comfort to the troubled and terrified conscience. He gives pardon to the guilty conscience. And he gives strength to the timid and weak conscience. He comes to give good news to the poor and the afflicted, the ones who have been beaten down, crushed, and oppressed. He's the one that lifts them up and assures them that they have found favor in his sight. Now, contemplate the image of a runner running to bring a message. Not the message of death and destruction, but instead the message of life and salvation. How beautiful are his feet, for he brings good news. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Redeemer Theological Academy. For more episodes or to leave comments about this show, please visit our website, RedeemerTheologicalAcademy.org. Again, that's RedeemerTheologicalAcademy.org. Thanks for listening, and may our Redeemer Jesus Christ continue to be your life and salvation, your hope and your peace.